0: Sit back, relax, maybe close your eyes, feel the weight of your body as it's either sitting, standing, or lying. Maybe close your eyes, or pick a spot to just focus on. As we spend a little bit of time thinking and reflecting on metal music, this is the metal head. So welcome, everybody, to the new podcast, The Metalhead, where we will be discussing metal music, uh, the metal scene, in a very relaxing, very chill manner. I am your co-host, Michael Rogowski, and I am joined by...
1: Grace Hayhurst. Hello.
0: Hello. Uh, glad to have you on the podcast. Um And uh, yeah, we're just going to take about a half hour of your time just talking about some metal music. And um, yeah, I guess we'll just kind of jump right into it first with a little bit of news that we were able to find. Um, And the first one is relating to a Canadian band, uh, one that I would like not to say grew up with being a Canadian. I don't know what the recording and broadcasting laws are over across the pond um, but in Canada it's mandated that every radio station and broadcast have a certain amount of hours dedicated to Canadian music so ah, I've whether about we, this yeah yeah whether we wanted to or not we were going to be listening to some nickelback uh, on any rock station um, and uh, how familiar how familiar are you with Nickelback
1: I know quite a lot of the words to Rockstar <laughs> yeah I yeah. I don't know why but that was one of the songs that really just like bled over um and I just remember like playing it on repeat I had mm-hmm. it on my mp3 player as a kid and it was like oh yeah this is the song like <laughs> we're just gonna know all of the words to this song yeah um and photograph less so which is interesting because I feel yeah. like that's the one song that people would associate first but yeah it's, really? it's always star yeah. for me
0: yeah it it really is like um there were a few big hits, and Rockstar came on pretty late in the game in terms of Nickelback's uh, kind of claim to fame. Uh, I think their their first big one is How You Remind Me. Uh, it's the, the one that kind of started the whole aspect with the whole, you know, this is how you remind me of what I really or something along those lines. Um, I can't say I'm a big Nickelback fan, but I did like Tra- Chad's one-off song for the Spider-Man soundtrack of uh, uh, a hero. Uh, that's the one that I think a lot of people know and love. Um, but yeah, I think I think uh, the photograph was the, the very memeable one. Uh, that's the one that yeah, most people know about. Yeah.
1: That's where it really came from, right? It's like the meme culture that just sort of <laughs> propagated it through generations, rather than kind of keeping it in its own little box.
0: Yeah, um, but uh, you might be wondering why on earth are we talking about Nickelback if uh, this is a if this is a metal um, podcast? Well, apparently, um, this has been teased for a number of years that they're going to create a metalcore album. Uh, i I remember maybe five or six years ago the last nickelback album was being teased as being much more of a metal album and it wasn't like it was their usual mo but yeah they keep they keep dangling that carrot they're like oh but this one's going to be more metal um do you think this might help their career if they shift a little bit
1: I mean, maybe. I was um, talking to a friend about a British band yesterday called The Arctic Monkeys. Mm -hmm. And the longer they've gone in their career, they've more that they've really changed up their sound and really Mm -hmm. taken a different approach to writing. From like when they were kind of super young, going Mm -hmm. like really hard and punky, and then kind of just gently mellowing out with age. Mm -hmm. Um, So they, they actually released a new single very recently that is just... Incredibly mellow and very Mm. like cozy, which Mm. is very different to the stuff they were releasing twenty years ago. Yeah, uh, I I
0: remember when they first came on the scene, and they were like one of the first like Bandcamp MySpace success stories, if I Mm. if I remember. Like that's where they started, uh, and that's where they first got recognized. But I think that's that's something that a lot of very fast-paced aggressive bands eventually go to just I don't know if they have the energy to support that so when they get older they're like well let's let's write some more mellow stuff let's let's be a little bit more atmospheric
1: yeah I mean it's literally like a jazz song so it's yeah, <laughs> it's so different to, to everything else they've done I mean, so it's interesting to see a band like Nickelback attempting the reverse, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. let's go heavier. Like, let's, let's do even more than we've ever done before, right? That's true,
0: yeah. yeah. I, can't, I can't think of too many bands that go from a more mellow side to a much more heavy side. It's, it's much more common to see the reverse.
1: Yeah, yeah like uh, Anathema were super heavy in the, like, the yeah. late 90s, early 2000s, right? And then they just very gradually mellowed out and got a lot yeah. more chill.
0: Yeah. yeah, I remember talking about Athema uh, in one of my reviews saying, you know, they originally started off as like this black metal thing, and people were like, what? No, you're talking about a different band. They were never. I'm like, well, did you actually listen to their first couple of albums? Because they're pretty heavy. So Yeah, it's uh, yeah. very,
1: very different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Now, moving on, um, it looks like Mastodon, uh, one of my favorite metal bands uh, is set to stream a documentary of theirs all behind the scenes to look at their Hushed and Grim album um, I don't think we've ever talked about Mastodon are you a big Mastodon fan?
1: I'm, a, I'm quite a big Mastodon fan, yeah oh, I've good. seen them live three times I think, once at a oh. festival I've seen a couple of headline shows mm-hmm. yeah, just uh, and the, the new album was a lot to like get mm-hmm. through you know there's a double album there's a lot there to kind of chomp on mm-hmm. but uh the more i've listened to it the the more time i've spent with it you know it's just it gets better it gets tastier there's more good little <laughs> licks and riffs and stuff that just stick and glue in your head um, mm-hmm. so yeah I'm i'm really interested to see like long form content come back from that and it's like well here's some of how we did all of this Mm-hmm. um because for me like i get stressed out by like tiktok and like youtube shorts and like right. instagram reels where it's like we're going to explain this really complicated thing in 60 seconds <laughs> and you're not gonna quite understand it at the end nor right. are we and yeah. but here it is um whereas i'm like no I'd, I'd quite happily like sit for an hour for some sort of more mellow like less chaotic uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to that, to really getting my teeth into some of the behind the scenes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I always love these kind of documentaries where they do a deep dive because I, I find with a lot of band documentaries, it's usually like career spanning. So I love when they take the time to look at like one album in specific. And mm. yeah, I I mean, I loved Hush and Grim. It was one of my favorite albums from last year. Uh, I know I might be in the minority by saying it's probably their best work, Um, but the more I listen to it, the more I get out of it. I just, I love so many different passages. Uh, I love that, you know, they took their time to be, allow their their selves to be a little bit more experimental and mellow on this album while still having so much power behind them. So, I also love the concept. Um... And I'm really excited to see how this documentary kind of handles the concept. Um, Because I believe most of this was written around uh, the passing of their their manager. And a lot Mm. of the songs kind of relate back to that. So I'm very excited to kind of sit down and watch this um, when it finally does become available. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh... mm mm-hmm.
1: I'm think of other documentaries I've seen. Like I um mm-hmm. I watched one a few months ago uh from Tears for Fears, which actually got me excited about their new album. Um mm-hmm. there was, you know, there was another Tears for Fears album. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I think Stephen Wilson did some mixing or <laughs> something on that, probably. You know, he's mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. And um yeah. but yeah they were they were looking at uh, like songs from the chair. Yeah, it know. was something like
0: that. I, I listened to it for another podcast that I do and yeah it was good you know I'm not a big tears for fears fan but um, songs it was, from the it big was... chair that's it yes yeah, I can very very yeah I can very like vividly picture the album cover because it's a very vibrant felt album cover of like this circle of chairs um, mm. yeah I know I've seen documentaries like for like the Dark side of the moon record um, I'm trying to think of like specific album records I think I saw one for Russia's hemispheres okay. um, but yeah most of the documentaries that I've seen around bands are more career spanning um, outside of like the shorts you know like when Genesis put out back in 2007. When they went and remixed all of their albums, um, they all came with like this short, maybe 10 to 15 minute explanation of their writing process and where they were in their careers when each album was written um, and each band member was talking a little bit about their contribution to it. But yeah, it's it, I always love when a band sits down and talks specifically about a single album.
1: Yeah, yeah, no it's very cool. I mean the thing I loved about this is that it was it was a retrospective documentary as well so it wasn't footage from the time, it was them talking about it now with like the the mixing engineer and other people that were kind of in and around the album and it was kind of really interesting to hear those reflections of like you know it were just people in the studio like toying around coming up with these like simple ideas and turning, you know, what that album turned into was this, this huge hit, like, across mm-hmm. the world. And it's like, you know, you, you, they didn't know it at the time. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's it's very cool to see, like, all these, like, little micro decisions of, you know, originally we were going to do it this way, and then we changed it to be this other way. You're like, oh, what if it was like that way? Like, who mm-hmm. knows what it could have been? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, hopefully, that level of depth with a, uh, a good metal documentary.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, So let's talk about a couple albums that have come out this year. Um, The first one, I think both of us had an an advanced copy of. And um, I know I was extremely excited for everybody to listen to it because I was just blown away. Um, And this was a Laka, I think is... How you pronounce Tiktaka? Tiktalka, I think. Tiktaka, yeah, Yeah, Um... (snισ) Tiktalka. Yeah, dinosaur music, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) The dinosaur music, yeah, Uh, (laughs) by Charlie Griffith uh, from Haken. Uh, And you actually had a chance to chat with him about this album as well.
1: I did, yeah, I had a little chat. And it's, uh... yeah, I was equally very excited. Um, You know, I wasn't a... Uh yeah, no, I was super excited because this was like the first time we'd seen something from Charlie outside of Haken uh-huh. since uh before Haken basically when he was in a Star Wars metal sort of band <laughs> in the late two thousands. And right. there's there's clips of that on YouTube and it's it's really something. Um, yeah. I hope it comes back one day. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 such a, a homage to so many older sort of thrashy bands like it's it's Mm -hmm. not you know he comes from this prog unit in haken right but he's kind of like well that's cool but i'm gonna write like a metal album and i'm gonna pay homage to thrash and death metal and like all of these like sort of old classic like 80s 90s genres and really just be heavy you Mm -hmm. know so like one of the interesting things he did was uh, I think an Aiken either plays a 7-string or an 8-string guitar and yeah. this. He was like, no, but I'm going to use a 6. Like, we're limiting it to the resources and the instruments that kind of they had at that period of time, and let's just, just make a really good album. So there's there's just so many little different bands you can hear in it, and it's just, oh, it's so delicious, because that was before I really got into the prog metal side of things or death metal Mm -hmm. or black metal or whatever i was listening to a lot of thrash (laughs) like i was listening to loads of metallica growing up for sure yeah um it was really cool just to hear like a fresh take on that with you know 2022 production values you know Mm -hmm. there's no you know it sounds super tight yeah it's really nice
0: yeah uh, i agree with all that um yeah and it's interesting because listening to it you don't realize that it's a six string that he's playing unless somebody sat you down and told you because it, it sounds like it could have been, and this is just from a non-musician ear, uh, like it sounds like a lot of the contemporary metal of today, like stuff that Haken would be playing, uh, the way that he's able to craft a lot of his um, note sequences and his ability to like really write a meaty hook don't even realize oh right he's playing with limitations he's basically giving himself you know this um, the setback um, and you don't even feel it um, I, I personally love a lot of the features that are on this album um, because you know Charlie's not necessarily a singer but there's a, a number of tracks on here that have full lyrics and words um, and it never feels out of place like he has Tommy Rogers from Between the Buried and Me open and close this album and yeah. some of the like he's bringing out his a-game um
1: sounds so good it, it sounds, sounds so great. good yeah like i really um, really got into colors too last year mm-hmm, that was like mm-hmm. my summer banger album <laughs> you know i uh after i got uh double vaccinated i went on a tiny little road trip to see a friend in the southwest of england and mm-hmm. i had a car and i was just like driving around all these country lanes just like lasting out colors too and i'm just like ah, oh, so good it's so and good. uh it's just nice to hear something like new from tommy like so quickly after i'm just like oh my god there's uh-huh. more like yes yeah. like <laughs>
0: <laughs> we don't even have to wait it's just right around the corner yeah yeah it's great um yeah i uh, for me this is one of my favorite albums of the year um it's it's going to be very hard pressed to find uh something better than this in terms of the metal landscape Um, The bar is set very high um, for the rest of the year to see if something's going to topple the king. Um,
1: Yeah, I think the thing as well is that a lot of uh, bands like released music last year that mm -hmm. seemed to be like a big, big release year, and now this is the year of touring because that's kind of opened up a bit again. So that's true. Almost all of these like album cycles for bands where stuff would kind of overlap is all been kind of compressed into the same like two or three year cycle so i think mm-hmm. you know we had loads of really good albums last year i think in like two years time three years time we are going to get another wave from those same bands because they're all like now in sync because right. of that kind of reset period so i wonder if we're going to get like a dry spell not only this year but next year as well from um, some of the bigger bands
0: yeah i mean that is such a good point uh because so many bands released records last year and into this year that they were working on from the 2020 lockdown and even into the 2021. Yeah, most of them are on tour now because they are able to. So they're not going to be putting out new material while on the road. So Yeah. Yeah, it'll be very interesting in 2023 and 2024 to see, you know, this this little bit of a dry spell or if there will be a dry spell or if artists were like, you know, I kind of liked not necessarily touring all that much we're going to pull a Beatles and just be like a studio band from now on um, nice. um, so yeah I was racking my brain over albums that I know we both listened to so that we would come into this um, with as little prep as needed so we can kind of wiggle out all those um, issues and one album that I know that you listened to was The Myth of the Monstrophus because you had messaged me about it um yeah so i'm very interested even though this isn't in any way really related to metal music it's much more of a prog album um what did you think about this this little dish
1: i love it it's um what i'm really annoyed about is i had the promo in my inbox for like six weeks and i was just too busy to listen to it (laughs) and then i had uh you shouting out about it and also dario from the prog space um mm-hmm. i was chatting to him at radar festival and he was just like grace you need to listen to this album it's a, like <laughs> this is the perfect album for you and i'm like okay like all right Daria. so i've got like all these angles mm-hmm. i finally got around to it i think maybe on release day or the day after and it's just it's just good like yeah. it's just a very solid album um it's very like comfy and that there's no like surprises you know it's not like uh-huh. daunting to listen to it's a great length and it's uh-huh. just fun like it's a silly concept like i don't yeah. think i've ever heard a band singing about basingstoke before what yeah. a, what a topic i mean <laughs> you know it's uh it's just great there's uh, some amazing keyboard work on it uh-huh. love like all of the organ tones they sound good um it's kind of got that little oh. bit of a Spock's beard vibe yeah but you know, not quite. It is very, very keyboard heavy and keyboard focused. Um mm-hmm. and maybe if I had to critique, like, it would be nice if Ted Leonard wasn't on it. And it's not that it, what, his contributions were bad, right. but it's just like Rio is doing a solo album for the first time in like twenty years mm-hmm. and he could have really like gone out there with um with vocalist choices but um you know, to avoid it just being like, oh this is like a Spokesbeard side project, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, Ted I, kills it and it sounds great so you know well, I can't complain
0: for sure yeah it's like oh if I could change one thing even though it's like great just the way it is um, yeah I think this is probably the best Spock's Beard album uh, since maybe Brief Nocturnes even though it's written and performed predominantly with uh, Rio because uh, it's his album it's his um, kind of solo work um and i'm so glad that he incorporated a lot of the spock's beard family into it because i found a lot of artists last year and this year have been putting out their own solo stuff and it just mm. feels like they're i don't want to say demos but like their ideas that they would have gone to a band with and then the band would have taken that and flushed it out to um kind of like the natural endpoint of those tracks And Rio does that um, with his kind of yes or no say about the tracks. So it feels much more like a fully flushed out album rather than just somebody's solo side project. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. Like you, I love the concept of this album. You know, I love the the title track. Uh, It's a great prog piece. Uh, And I think a lot of bands nowadays can take note about how to write an epic track by looking at this. Because I feel like bands are writing 20 plus minute songs for the, I don't want to say novelty, but for like that notoriety. Without really sitting down and thinking, okay, how am I actually going to bring about a theme, write a really catchy um, chord progression that will hook people and make them want to hear it again later on um yeah the...
1: i think there's definitely like you know i've spoken to some like other prog musicians in in that kind of scene right and uh there have been a lot of comments of just like well we could play like the 30 minute song at the end of our set and like people will mm-hmm. go like nuts for it but mm-hmm. like why are they going nuts for it is it the best yeah. song we've ever written mm-hmm. no is it the longest song we've ever written? <laughs> well, yeah. Is it the longest yeah. song on the album? Yeah. Does yeah. that mean it's the best song? Well, maybe not.
0: Maybe not. So yeah. it's,
1: um, but it's yeah, it's 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 just a very satisfying album, um, mm-hmm. and I feel like with bands in this like uh, what do you call it, like the neo prog like sort of space. Yeah. They're really good at doing the same things over and over again like yeah. just even like little melodies or like drum fills and you're just mm-hmm. like oh it's this bit again um i think the guiltiest like the guiltiest person of this is possibly neil morse yeah because like every neil morse album you're just like oh there it is like the da <laughs> like every single song it's like all right yeah. okay good it's a neil morse album
0: <laughs> there we go yeah ticking off the yeah. box yeah he's played it
1: yeah and it's wow. kind of like, well, you know, I still suck it up and I'm still like, yeah, no, it's still nice. Like, I still love it. But mm-hmm. um, it just feels fresh mm-hmm. as well. Like, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's bringing any any of those repetitive tropes from any of these other places. It's uh-huh. just like its own thing, but still sounds like it very much sits in that prog box, like Transatlantic and the Flower Kings and whatever. Like, it kind of just it's nice. It's uh,
0: yeah, it's just nice. Yeah. I think if I was hard pressed and if there was anything I wanted to change, I think the only thing that I would change on this album is on the title track of Monster Fuss, um, when they introduce this uh, you know, progressive rock bandmate that saves the world through song. Speaking to your point about Neil Morse, I think it would have been perfect if it, Neil Morse came on and sang that, that <laughs> point. Um, cause it would have, it would have had the trifecta of all the, uh, Spock's beard lead singers. Um, yeah, that, I mean, I, that would have been very cool. I think, yeah, I just, that was my only, I don't want to even say it was a critique. It would just be like, if I could change one thing, that would be what I would change. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, definitely. I still, um, I've listened to it quite a few times now and I keep forgetting that Steve Hackett's on it and I still need yeah. to like try and remember or like try and listen out for the bit that steve hackett and i i almost i almost don't want anyone to tell me like i want to try and work <laughs> it out because yeah I, i've like a bit of a steve hackett super fan right i've been to like mm-hmm. however many of his solo shows yeah. listen to his entire discography yes every mm-hmm. single album going to Oof, Wikipedia that's i was gonna say uh, that's which, that's
0: a task because he's got lockdown a was a time
1: yep lockdown <laughs> was a time <laughs> and uh yeah i just want to like see if i can just pick out the tone but yeah there's, yeah i love the steve hackett's on it you don't see him doing much outside of his little box these days so it's true yeah
0: um so we're gonna try um a, a slight recurring um segment um talking about metal cover songs and i i figured this will either be metal songs that have been covered by other artists or uh, a track that isn't necessarily metal but they have uh, a band has re-recorded it as a metal song and i sent you this earlier today Um, did you get a chance to listen to this metal cover i did yeah
1: i'm not overly familiar with the original which is maybe sacri- sacrilege for not having my uh, <laughs> my Taylor Swift up to scratch.
0: That's okay. That's okay. Uh, we are talking about um, a band that is predominantly known for their covers on YouTube, uh, called Our Last Night. Um, they're pretty famous. They have about two million subscribers on YouTube. So, uh, and they're very well known for metalizing very popular songs. So the one in question today is Taylor Swift's Look What You Made Me Do. So I'm very curious as to how how you felt about this.
1: I mean it's a fun cover, right? It's uh mm-hmm. I've listened to a lot of like different covery metal tracks over the years and this is this is certainly one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh, uh it's quite metalcore for me like just in some of the uh approaches to the vocals and stuff but um yeah it did remind me of a guy called i think it's Ten Second songs or something or like yes yeah, yeah i struggled yeah. to find him again because he's, he's yeah, changed his branding
0: he, i was gonna say but he then, did change his branding um about maybe a year and a half ago yeah but
1: it, uh, yeah. it took me back to that whole era of like seeing all these, like him just do all these vocal covers, like 30 seconds of each like uh-huh. band. And uh, it is cool to see like these different approaches from people. Um, on, like what are familiar songs, you know?
0: Yeah. And I just did a quick uh, using my librarian skills uh, search to try to figure out who that was the 10 second songs. Uh, I believe that was Anthony Vincent. Uh, who that did that? Right, yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, I I followed him and I still do, because um, I always love to see, you know, these songs done in different genres. Um, another one that I love is the postmodern jukebox. They do a lot of like more jazzy, uh, like nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties covers of very popular mm. contemporary tracks. Um, cool. I'm sure I'm sure we'll cover those as well. Um,
1: yeah, please. I'm uh, they, I'm really into they, that era of jazz. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but yeah, looking at the the Taylor Swift song, um, it's interesting because I'm not like I you know I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. Um, Obviously, I, <laughs> but um, and I love Reputation. The track that Look What You Made Me Do came off of. I think this was the leading single off of that album, and I love aspects of that track. But once we get into the chorus, it just falls flat. And I feel like on this cover, they took the seeds that was planted within the chorus and yielded a bountiful crop. Uh, I felt like applying that whole, I don't know, like, I'm too sexy aspect of the chorus where it's just like ooh, look what you made me do like and applying it to a more metalcore was genius because it, it 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 plays off of both strengths of the track and of metalcore as a genre um i thought it was very very fun um and yeah i think that they really elevated the track overall Yeah, nice, cool. Yeah. Um, So we'll move into our final part, uh, general discussion. Uh, And this is where we just kind of uh, take a chance just to kind of talk about something that's a topic that's been on our minds or on our heads. And I thought it would be really interesting to kind of, maybe we'll even revisit this later on, but just like our favorite metal use in a movie. Um, and we were actually talking about this before we sat down to record. Uh, you had mentioned that you 're not really the biggest movie buff
1: yeah, and it 's never been intentional. I think the thing I look for in content is world building and like having a lot to get my teeth into. Mm-hmm. So like as a teenager, I remember going on holiday and taking my like portable DVD player with me to uh, watch all. 15, no, all 17 seasons of Stargate from start oh, wow. to finish in chronological order. I found a spreadsheet online that listed <laughs> how they were all released because there were moments wow. where, like, two of the seasons mm-hmm. were from the two different shows were overlapping. So, like, one oh, was SG1, yes. the next week it was Atlantis. And then, so I was like following this. Wow. And that's the kind of stuff I love. And it, like, almost annoys me when I'm like, I'm watching a film, it's like two hours, 90 minutes, and then it's over. And I'm just like, Oh, but I want more of that. And I'm grown attached to the characters and like what's happening. And <laughs> yeah. right, so right. I've tried to like behave myself better lately and like try and push myself through like getting more films into my teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's yeah, it, it's it's not even it's never been an intentional thing. It's not that I dislike film or anything. It's just uh, I've always just like been searching for bigger things you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: yeah that's so interesting uh i've never seen stargate but one of my best friends she just she loves stargate uh specifically atlantis um yeah because, i think atlantis is the best one yeah um i know she loves it because one of the scientists or individuals is a canadian chronologically or chronologically canonically in the yes. show and as an actor um yes yeah so... i know the one yes um
1: he's uh he's so funny as well because he's in this character in the show he's like a super like super scientist like super nerd he's like the smartest guy in the room right right and uh since that he's basically like he is that person in real life kind of (laughs) like he's a super nerd Mm um and he's been doing like youtube stuff since then and he's been like talking about like technology and like Uh, Like he's super into like video gaming and he's like on Twitch Mm -hmm. streaming and all this stuff. And it's like, it's such a funny progression that like, like, Mm -hmm. I guess it was just the perfect casting,
0: right? For sure. Yeah. Because I've, I've seen a couple of his uh, movies that he has produced and starred in. um, And they're very like artsy. Um, The one movie from him that I saw was called Nothing. Where him and a friend of his who live in this like really dilapidated house find out that they have a, a power to hate away whatever they want um, so eventually they just hate everything except for their house and themselves and like their pet turtle um, okay. and it's like trying to explore this great wide nothing um, and it was such a quirky film uh, if, if you could find it I, I highly recommend it it's very fun um, hmm, okay yeah uh, I think we got a little bit off topic, but that's maybe great <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I guess long and short of it is, do you know any moment in I, we can even move this into like TV uh, where they used like either a metal song or metal music?
1: I mean the one that everyone everyone has been talking about is um the master of puppets moment in uh Mm -hmm. stranger things yeah and i feel like it's been out for a couple of months now and if you've not seen it but uh it's uh it's a very cool scene it's uh and it's it just it fits so perfectly in um not only is like a narrative from a lyrical point of view Mm -hmm. but uh just the intensity of where it's placed in the the pacing of the whole show it's just like mm-hmm. yeah this is the perfect like the perfect moment for this to happen it's really cool mm-hmm.
0: yeah and it's interesting i've only seen the first season of Stranger things i haven't seen anything else from them um, so i'm sure people will be saying oh you need to get on that and i'm like i know i know i will um especially with the kate bush Song from the first half of the fourth season, and now with yeah, the Master of Puppets in yeah. this one, because again, a huge Kate Bush fan. So when that was yeah, coming yeah. on, I was like, "Oh man, I, I need to catch up and watch the other two seasons so I can finally watch this fourth season." Um, but I found yeah, that I've so heard...
1: fascinating as well, watching yeah. the um the Kate Bush song explode because it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was out of the country when um, the first half of. This season, of Stranger Things came out, so it, it took me like a, a couple of months to get to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I, and I was, you know, saw everyone talking about Kate Bush, and I'm like, cool, yeah, but how? There's no like, I mean, it's a great song, and like Kate Bush is great, yeah. but it's like, how? I've never seen that happen before, where like a song uh-huh. from a TV show has just exploded that much. And I'm like, yeah, how? How has this happened? Like, I'm assuming it's just like in like one scene, it's just like a background like song, and people are like whoa who's this like new artist that i've never heard of before
0: <laughs> um, who's this new and it, artist yeah. Kate
1: bush yeah and it turns out it's like it's basically just the anthem of the entire season like it keeps mm-hmm. coming back and they keep playing it so it's uh that's why it really got into everyone's heads i think as well was that like mm-hmm. that repetition and how p- important it was to the plot that that mm-hmm. was you know the song it's uh yeah Mm-hmm. It's very cool. It's cool when uh, music's used in that way and it's not just in a sort of orchestral kind of way where, you know, you're getting these John Williams, Hans Zimmer soundtracks of like yeah. stuff being composed for a particular narrative. It's like, you no, know, we're going to take something pre-existing and we're mm-hmm. going to like stick it in and yeah. make it you know, work around, you know, because it's obviously set in the 80s, the culture of the time, right? And it... Mm-hmm. It uh, charges on that very well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, thank you all for listening to our first pilot episode of The Metalhead. We hope you've enjoyed. Hope you had a bit of time to relax and think about some metal music. Um, and if you like this, consider subscribing. Um, depending on the platform of choice, uh, you can rate and leave a comment depending on again the platform um and just share it with your friends um and if you want to talk to any of us on our social networks uh Grace where would you like people to find you
1: Uh hopefully not at my house but um <laughs> I'm pretty much Grace Hurst Grace H R S T on a uh, most social platforms on instagram and twitter and youtube and all those kind of places
0: Mm -hmm. and uh, you can find myself at notes review uh, or reviews on both instagram facebook and twitter i'm most active on twitter uh, least active on facebook so use the that information as you will Um, this podcast will also have hopefully um, some social media Uh, once I get that all off the ground, I will let you know how you can engage with us on that platform if you want to engage the actual podcast itself. Um, I've been thinking about how I want to end these episodes, because I always like to end my podcast with, like, a very astute, like, one-sentence saying. So I'm going to float this one by and let me know what you think about, um... There's a saying in the metal scene that if somebody goes down in the pit, you pick them up. So I figured we can end on that kind of a sentiment with, uh, you know, if they go down in the pit, you pick them up.
1: Yeah, sponsored by
0: BetterHelp. That's right. Okay. Perfect. And that's all we've got. Uh, We'll catch everybody in the next episode.